This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. southernmost point of dawn to the lands of always winter, what is west of Westeros and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk, a special news edition, because why not? We got some of the biggest news in a while. So yes, press and pause on the rewatch one more week. Please don't hate me for that. Please don't hate me for that. We'll get to the rewatch. It will. The show's never going away. We'll have, I have still DVDs of Game of Thrones to watch, including now uh, HBO Max streaming stuff. All right. Enough of that. I'm Ken Napsack. And join us today, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see our shining faces. Or if you're listening on audio, we thank you very much. That's our preferred content spot. This is Casually Talk. And this is Alden Diaz coming back for the show today. Hey, Alden, how are you doing, man? Hello. Decided to take a walk on down from the wall. Uh, they said it was cool. Um, not breaking my vows by being here. But yeah, yeah. good to... Good to have something to actually talk about. When we texted the other day, it was, yeah. oh, wow, a date. There's an actual <laughs> date. It's crazy. The House of the Dragon release date has been revealed in, um, I'm not going to say dramatic fashion, Alden. I, I just suddenly appeared. I think I still was waking up, wiping sleep from my eyes, and tweets started coming in, you know? Yeah, and it was funny because Game of Thrones social media had seemingly teed it up to be something during the Oscars. But I don't know. The Oscars ran 40 minutes over and, you know, some minor things happened. And so it was like, maybe they were like, let's hold. Let's hold till Monday. That would have been great advertising, though. Someone chose violence that day and it wasn't Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon. Yeah, I saw that tweet, uh, Sleep Well. And, you know, you you never know. If they're playing around, is it coincidence? Are they setting us up? Uh, You know, is... uh, is it coming? And, and uh, I wasn't expecting it, but had my one eye on it, but didn't. But here we go. Uh, a release date. And we're just going to dive right into this headline here. Although no, uh, no, uh, no need to bury the lead here. Uh, House of the Dragon tweeted out. And are, are you following House of the Dragon? Normally I don't follow show, t- uh, show Twitter handles. Uh, Alden, do you do that? Do you just follow, hey, I like House. I'll follow House on Twitter. Yeah, I, I tried not to for a very long time. I think Mandalorian, I started to. And- yeah. Maybe I followed Loki, but it seems like now that they're dividing up the marketing, it's like, ah, I thought I could get away with just following Game of Thrones. Right. But yeah. no. 
Like, I follow Star Wars. I don't follow a lot of the other ones. Uh, and then, of course, uh, it, it does seem like we got the sounds of dog paws in the background, which I love. Dogs are welcome. We do. <laughs> the pitter-patter of a young dire wolf as he looks at me. Are you trying to do a show? Because I'm going to do this instead. Uh, no worries. We are pet-friendly around these parts. So Sunday, August 21st, is the tweet uh, that comes on out here. August 22nd on Sky TV for UK viewers. Weekly release. Now, I'm now, actually, I should say, Elden, we're just kind of assuming. We know 10 episodes, but weekly release we got 9 p.m kind of an eastern pacific time that's kind of prestige drama television for hbo uh what's your thoughts on just that basic information some of it we're assuming what are you thinking yeah i mean like you said some of it we're assuming you never know if they're like it'll be a double or a triple drop because amazon's done i think three to start a couple times or and hbo's done that a few times yeah hulu has um So three to start, is is that possible or do they know what they have here? And they're like, nah, you'll get the one and you'll be back. Um, So who knows? Are they also going to embrace maybe the expanded length that they had success with during season eight of Game of Thrones? Are these going to be long, you know, sort of ginormous feature length episodes? We don't know. Um, But I think that the time slot makes perfect sense. Yeah, I like it. I'm excited about it. It's consistent. Um, they're, yeah. they own that time. I mean, it's, it's what's associated uh, with Game of Thrones without a doubt. Uh, yes, uh, Game of Thrones was more springtime, at least in the early uh, going first few seasons there. Uh, so that just makes sense. And then, yeah, you see it's, it's the slot uh, right now. Winning time at the time of this recording, winning time, the uh, Laker show, which I'm loving. I'm not even a huge basketball fan. I'm a sports fan, but I love Jeff Perlman as a, as a writer. Mm. It's based on his book. It's a great series. And it is uh, it's that I sit down and I think even I get it early. I think it's 6 p.m. Pacific here. Um, but I make I, I kind of make it 9 p.m. in my brain. It's like I don't move off that. <laughs> I can't break that habit. <laughs> You're like release schedule different from Ken's schedule. It just has to happen at a certain time. Um, That's true. I mean, I I make, I make tears in my mind Mm. where I'm like a star Wars show. I will watch the minute it is uploaded and live, but moon Knight came out. I was like, moon Knight, I could do with my afternoon coffee. I can, I can relax with that. <laughs> you know, that's so funny. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm always, I always say I'm a, I'm a, I'm a loyal but casual MCU fan, and I'm definitely going to give Moon Knight a, a view because, uh, you know, love Oscar Isaac, but I, I'm also pals with his brother, who uh, Michael Benjamin Hernandez, who's in the series as kind of uh, Oscar Isaac's uh, double of Moon Knight. So I was like, I got to support Michael, just not at midnight. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it over dinner. <laughs> yeah, 100. percent it, It's just about. We are so spoiled that we we're having to make really nerdy decisions that we never had to make before. And that's something that we'll get into here yes. in terms of these shows facing off. But it is, yeah. it's going to be wild weekends. Wild weekends indeed. And I think that right now is the big story because Rings of Power, the Lord of the Rings show on Amazon that we will be covering here. On Cashly Talk, I made that decision a couple weeks ago because I'm going to be watching. It's kind of in the same realm. I know this is a show called Casterly Talk. Thank you to Lon Harris for that name. But, you know, it's got dragons and wizards close enough. I'm going to cover it here. Um, yeah, it's, it's close to everybody uh, in my mother's demographic that was like, is this like a Lord of the Rings? Exactly. It's, okay. And it's so funny. It's a circle. It's a circle. Game of Thrones shows up. It's like Lord of the Rings on the TV. Now Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power shows up. And it's like, hey, it's like if Lord of the Rings uh, was doing a Game of Thrones show. Oh, my life's a circle. Uh, so <laughs> here is the thing here. Yes, I just did a, a Harry Chapin song here. Um, this 
this is not quite head to head, Alden, uh, but we got mm-hmm. August 21st, Sunday night for House of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. And we've known for a bit now that September 2nd, if I'm, if I got, I looked it up again to confirm because I thought it was September 4th, which was a Sunday, but uh, September mm-hmm. 2nd, Friday night, Rings of Power. Um, wow. This is, it's, it's a fantasy nerd weekend. Uh, Friday got your, your Lord of the Rings, Sunday night, uh, House of the Dragon. This is a dream, but for these, for Amazon, and look, Amazon ain't hurting, all right? Bezos is still going to go to space no matter what. Uh, <laughs> but I got to wonder, they staked their claim early. I think that's a big yeah. weekend. That's a good time to do it. I like the Friday release. I think that's interesting to me. Though I grew up in an era where Friday night television was a graveyard until TGIF came along. The uh, death slot. The death slot, indeed. The but- death slot, even growing up when, you know, you and I are both wrestling guys. SmackDown moves to Fridays. Oh, that's why, why would yep. they do that? Oh, yep. it's, the, it's totally the B show. Like, Friday's never had prestige, but now with now. Disney+. Plus. They had time. Friday with Mando, then yep. they backed off of Friday. Now they're back on Friday with Kenobi, which is a different show. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to see sort of the weekend becoming this this mm. spot again. Um, whereas it. networks networks are still hanging out on their Tuesdays and, and Wednesdays and stuff. So Tuesdays at nine uh, central, nine Pacific, eight Central. Uh, yeah, and so. I mean, let's just dive into this here. I, this is uh, good for us. Is it bad for these shows? Game of Thrones kind of sneaking in there two weeks prior uh, to get two episodes uh, leading up to the big confrontation. What, what do you make of all this? I think it is good for us, and it has the potential to be both good and bad for the shows, Got depending it. on how. And again, we, we, it's a symbiote circle. What happens to one of you affects the it other. Does. Like if we as a the collective we, mm-hmm. um, not you and I specifically, because I, right. I know I know us, I know we won't do this. But if we as a people, as a TV watching people, begin these comparison conversations, right. and they will, that yeah. could be bad. Um, mm. But yeah. it might also be beneficial for people to see both at the same time so we can definitively come to a close on some of these comparison conversations. Yeah. Like it might be beneficial for people to see high fantasy versus George's view of fantasy and that people could say, oh, this actually this Galadriel story arc is really adventurous and fun. It has nothing to do with any politics. or. I I love that you you took it there because we talk about often here we make reference, uh, you, me and other pundits on the show of of George R. R. Martin's I love Tolkien, but he didn't have to write about Aragorn's tax policies. I say that so much. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite little quotes, kind of paraphrasing it. It is kind of the difference of the shows. That Friday nights for fun, Sunday for for gritty. I don't know, I, but I love what you're saying there. It's these two worlds, and then that if you position it as such, and we don't know every little beat that's going to be covered in House of the Dragon. There's problem. There's going to be laughter. I'm sure there's going to be. I'm sure we're going to see some skin. I don't. I don't anticipate that in Lord of the, Lord of the Rings. Um, who knows? Um, you could maybe position it as two different sides of the same coin. Maybe. Yeah, and I. If I was, and again, I don't work in marketing, I don't work in PR. Mm. If I was running the Game of Thrones show, I would embrace our differences. If I was saying, hey, actors, you're going to be doing interviews, talk about the fun, the thrill, the adventure. Talk about getting the whole family together to watch our show. Because even though Jackson's Lord of the Rings got dark, that was still the kind of thing where the heroes were heroes the yes. bad guys were very obviously bad, and we were able to have sort of uh, uh, 
not dissimilar to a Star Wars or a Star Trek. Like yeah. we knew what the optimism was, believing in little folk, like that type of stuff. Whereas the the Game of Thrones cast members can't say that, or the House right. of the Dragon cast members. So why not sort of position yourself differently? I love this. I love. I'd love to see some House of the Dragon uh, press where they're just like, "Hey, on our show, we that's what we do. We just get down and dirty, and <laughs> that's what we do." Uh, and, and, and they can't do that over there. Um, but again, I, I get, I'm not anticipating a lot of, uh, uh, sexual situations in Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, yeah. but, uh, you know, who knows? It's Lord of the Rings for a modern era. I just don't see the, the Tolkien estate on any level going thumbs up to no, you know, I just don't see it. And I'll stop using the beep button. Cause I just think it's hilarious. Um, but I, you know, I, you know, I, I love what you're saying here, Alden. I really do. I think, uh, if, if both shows, both groups are probably pretty confident in the shows they're about to put out. They have mm-hmm. to be at this point. God forbid if Amazon isn't confident with the amount of money they spent. <laughs> I think if, yeah, if you're in marketing, if you're looking at it, that's that's probably where I would go. I'm not a marketing genius. Clearly, clearly not. But, uh, hey, you, you kind of touched upon it. Like Lord of the Rings, where heroes are heroes. No shades of gray. We are heroes here. We, we, we fight for good. Uh, that's yeah. what we are about. And Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, no shade. There's something different. But they're both in this world. You can celebrate all sides of it. I, you know, I don't know how you get that in a tweet or a meme. Yeah, exactly. And that's the hard part is, yeah. you know, with, with what they've said about Rings of Power, like they've talked about uh, in mm. a, one of our crossover actors, uh, uh, Robert uh, uh, Amaro, mm-hmm. Amaro, who played a young, young Eddard Stark. Now playing young Elrond to talk about that for a resume, like two iconic parts uh, that you've got to be a part of. Yeah. His Elrond is being positioned as he's this young sort of shake it things up, but he's still a hero. Yeah. And we still know the end point of Elrond is putting together the fellowship and everything. Whereas we know that the end point of this particular family in House of the Dragon is, well, not great. No. Um, I, I, like, who knows down the road past Daenerys, yeah. Who knows if there are other Targaryens in the world? Who knows what might happen? Yeah. Um, but as it stands for the general TV watching public, the last Targaryen who we followed for eight seasons ended in tragedy. Yeah. So this show has that trajectory in the same way that we know that if they were going to do the animated Ben Solo TV series, like <laughs> you have to be headed towards somewhere. Yeah. Um, and one head is inherently heading toward optimism. So it's the same way that we have Star Trek and Star Wars on TV. Yeah. And every time that a show comes out, they are very firmly what they are. And yeah. I think now in 2022, we see way less of the Trek or Wars type arguments. That doesn't yeah. happen as much for, doesn't. I know that for my age group, like that was never really a thing. So it's, um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. I mean, but in terms of yeah. us, yeah. we win. Yeah. We win. We win. And who knows? It's over. Maybe if Amazon is upset on any level of this kind of, uh, you know, House of Dragons sneaking in there, maybe they, maybe that's the marketing. Hey, we all win. Enjoy. We're on Friday there and Sunday. We'll see you at the races, kids. Um, I love that there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I love the, I love the, I was thinking of what's that? Joseph Molly, uh, Uncle Ben, uh, Uncle Benjamin, right? Uh, he's, uh, he's yes. Orin in uh, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Um, love that kind of crossover. What what fun! What fun to be like I was in Westeros uh, and Middle Earth. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really it's really interesting to see because we know sometimes casting directors are shared. Lucasfilm and HBO yeah. had similar. They, I mean, 
the, the, as the seasons of Game of Thrones went on, more and more and more Star Wars folks. And now retroactively, we're seeing Star Wars folks now pop up that I'm like, oh, you were, why do I recognize you? Oh, you were in that one scene of Game of Thrones. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. So that'll be piling up too. But, you know, at the same time, is this the type of thing that motivates somebody like Jeffrey Bezos? Probably. Um, I wish I knew what motivated him. I wish I did. It might just be money and power. No, uh, getting to the stars. No, but you know what's interesting about him? I, I, I'm not here to defend uh, CEOs of any kind. Although I, I do love uh, Iger to a degree, uh, though he's uh, you know off uh, riding horses in retirement. I, I don't know, or p- planning to run for president. Who knows? Um, I, I got you know Bezos. There's so many things to talk about. I get it, but yeah, I, I kind of love that he is a big nerd who's like, I must have Lord of the Rings, and we must make it the best thing ever. And I'm curious to see how that pays off at all for him. I'm, I'm rooting yeah. for him to get more money. He needs it. But you know what I mean? It's just Surely. A, it's, the, it's a, the Bezoses are on hard times. Hard times um, for the Bezos. Yeah, I, I've been fascinated by that too. In the same way that these people as larger than life individuals, um, again, with you know Bob Iger, again, with someone like a Vince McMahon, um, that, that we track these rich folks and we see like a case study yeah. for him to – put his fandom for Lord of the Rings in on this grand of a stage with this much money with an incomplete license. Yeah. Because he doesn't have the Hobbit. He doesn't actually have the Silmarillion, which is mm-hmm. fascinating. Mm-hmm. There are Tolkien scholars that can break it down way more eloquently than I can, but he doesn't actually have the second age stuff that he's yeah. adapting. Yeah. They are, they're using every in between and clever, legal verbiage and everything to get what they need out of it. It's hilarious. And they're spending as enough money to vitalize a small nation. Like it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But I know he loves it. I, you know, I know his kids are critical role fans, D D fans, you know, I, the, the nerd runs deep in this uh, nerd gone, uh, gone emperor, mm-hmm. uh, so to mm-hmm. speak. Well, enough about Bezos, enough there, but I think in the end, it's good for us. It's a win. It's for all of us. And we're just excited. Uh, as we close this part of the discussion, Alden, just seeing 82122, just knowing yeah. this this is happening, did something to me because I, I've been ready for this. We've been uh, waiting for this. I've been excited. Um, I remember towards the end of uh, Game of Thrones, even before season eight, Someone I know in the industry was like, a kind of casual acquaintance was like, man, when this show ends, it's going to destroy all the podcasts. You know, all the Game of Thrones podcasts are going to die after season eight. What are you going to do? And I remember mm-hmm. thinking, not wrong. The books are still there. That's a different kind of uh, podcast and history of Westeros and all shift X, yeah. all those great things, great channels and content creators that cover the books. And we, we, we talk about them here. We'll get to them when we get to them. But this is definitely show first. I always uh, want to be honest about that. Um, here we are. We're not done. We got more content and it's real now. I have a date on my calendar. I got more excited than I anticipated I would all the I did too on those on those levels, on the real world levels, like my brain originally it was the head to head that came to mind. Mm-hmm. And then it was the oh, and that's just these. What if Andor is scheduled for August? And then we have a Star Wars show on Wednesday and then Friday and then Sundays. I mean, say goodbye to a couple dinners a week because of the amount of recording that you're going to be doing. Like that type of stuff came to my mind, but also just the mm-hmm. the happiness that I am to return to it in the yeah. same way. Like we talked about Jackson, like when he came back for the Hobbit and the Hobbit trailer, I felt like I was going home. And yeah. uh, we don't have the at the time of this recording, we don't have the full House of the Dragon trailer yet. We only had that teaser, yeah. but seeing this and knowing that it's coming back, and as a fellow season eight fan. 
Um, I know that there's a little bit of that mm. sort of like, haha, like it, yeah. it, no matter what you said, we're back, baby. Like, you know, and not that I'm anti the haters or that no. I think it's not there, you know, but I, it's just gratifying to know that, okay, you took that on the chin in the public, yeah. but you're still there. We're getting this, we're getting uh, the, mm-hmm. I guess, Broadway West End play of the tourney of Heron Hall. There's another show that's yeah. in development. There's so like much rumors coming. of the animation. So it's just exciting. Cool, yeah, no, exciting. And, and, and on that too. Yeah. We, uh, I think I talked about it uh, solo uh, in the previous episode, but I, I, yeah, I unapologetically love season eight, but I, I get a lot of the discussion around it and whether or not I agree with it or not, when someone's like comes with good faith to the discussion and it's like, I, at the end of the day, I just didn't like the way the show ended. I, I, I never going to try to take that away. I know you don't either. Yeah. So for those people, I'm excited. I, I hope they catch the fever and I hope house of the dragon smashes the success of game of Thrones. I only want it to go up. I will. I hope the shows aren't used against each other. I'm talking about game of Thrones versus house of the dragon. That's sometimes yeah. the nature of online discourse. I get that, but I only want this to get better. And if people are like, I'm back, baby, I'm going to be right there with them pumping my fist going i'm glad you're here get back into this castle let's have fun you might have not liked six seven and eight you might have not liked eight or the last two episodes eight whatever we're all here let's do this again let's go for the ride i'm excited for that and game of thrones deserves that i mean we've seen that with star wars where for the majority of my childhood it was just a generally accepted fact that there were three good ones and three bad ones yeah and that was the and if you grew up during the bad ones, you had to be quiet about it and et cetera, et cetera. And you now, shut up your love. You shut up your prequel love, kid. Yeah, you you don't know. Harrison Ford was in ours. Like, come on. Um and now Harrison Ford is in the the, the little kids, the Star Wars yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, but it's like Star Trek had that where yeah. people uh oh, nemesis and uh, insurrection, like right. these movies or whatever, and then that came back and now they're in the biggest TV boom they've ever been in. Yeah. Um So it's just nice that Game of Thrones, even though some people will stay married to this narrative that it dropped out of the pop culture conversation. Right. um, Which is just endlessly fascinating to me. Yeah. uh, Because that is the pop culture conversation. Inherently saying that (laughs) creates. You say that in an article. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's like anytime we see The Last Jedi tweeting on Twitter, even if it's all hate, I'm like, they're still talking about it. They're still talking about it. That is the ultimate win for any yeah. creator in certain ways if the if it's the right creator that can internalize that but yeah um, yeah 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 uh, if you don't want i know that you know talking about martin yeah talking about uh you know bet not benioff and weiss aren't involved but talking about that team mm-hmm. all of them people that are carrying over like sapachnik and the people that aren't yeah their legacy lives on you know benioff and weiss aren't involved but you see that throne that's their throne that's from their, their throne. set that's this is their world. That's their hand Absolutely. of the kingpin. So Absolutely. I love. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I brought, brought the photo up here now for audio listeners. Uh, all right, so yeah, and, and for audio listeners, we'll uh, make sure we uh, discuss what we're talking about here. But Alden, let's get into the character reveals now. Again, reveals. I'm using that word, but really, we've been very familiar with who's going to be in the show, at least in the leads. But they tweeted out, not a thread, as you pointed out to me. <laughs> Just tweeted out. <laughs> so so you got to go find. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, here we go. Uh, and, uh, you run, you run me through this and I will bring up the photos here for those watching on YouTube. What do you got? Indeed. Indeed. So they mostly listed this conveniently, I think in the, probably the credit order, Mm. uh, because when I double checked my names and everything, uh, it seemed to align. So that was nice. Even if they didn't do a thread. So when the new theme hits and 
<laughs> the fact that we're going to have a Westeros show that doesn't start with our, uh, uh, that's right. fascinating. Maybe they'll do a riff on it. Who knows? Um, but it starts off with Patty Considine as King Viserys the yeah. first of House Targaryen, um, mm. who presumably our lead, um, at least one of them. There's probably going to be a lot of co-lead type material. Yeah. Um, lots of shared scenes. So this is our first guy, Patty Considine, of course, extremely well-known, extremely um, well-versed and classically trained. And I'm excited mostly because it lets me say Viserys the same way that uh, Robert Brathian did <laughs> as much as humanly possible. Yeah, yeah. I, the fool Viserys. It's also very hard for me to not uh, look at this and just think of Hot Fuzz, which I know he's such a, you know, well, uh, <laughs> you know, well, well, uh, uh, well-rounded actor and performer, but Hot Fuzz. Man, he's so great. Love this shot. It is, uh, it, you know, we don't want to. I don't want to dive uh, too much into the themes here today. But you and I love themes. We love discussing the big lessons. Uh, I love doing that over on Force Center with Joseph Scrimshaw about Star Wars. And I just look at this. This is a Targaryen king who's just flummoxed. Yep, he's just. Yep. Mm. He looks stressed. He's got the cat's paw. Is that the cat? That's that's the cat's paw dagger there. Which we got to call about that a little bit later. We'll get to. But mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. dagger in front of him. Drink nearby and just a look of concern, anger, annoyance, all of the above. This is absolutely King Viserys on a Monday morning. I don't know if they have the same seven-day seven calendar that we have <laughs> in Westeros, but this is their Monday. Absolutely. You can see it all over his face. I hope it's an eight-day calendar so we can finally sing a Beatles song about it. it makes sense there. Eight days a week. Uh, all right. Uh, next, next shot there. This right here is Matt Smith as Prince Damon Targaryen, who we had seen in the teaser, and we'd seen him in a couple shots, and he was in uh, the majority of the set photos. Yeah, um, people love to follow Matt around. And they have ever since his uh, Doctor Who days. Right. This is a uh, personally exciting for me because he's my favorite Doctor okay. uh, as the eleventh. Yeah, and uh, he also, of course, famously flirted with a role in Star Wars Episode Nine mm-hmm. that did not end up working out. Right. But here he is, and this is my most anticipated uh, member of the cast and character because he has the potential in his doctor to be so ruthless. Yeah. And he, and he has a darkness inside of him. So for him to get to play with the family, that is a coin flip away from madness. is just thrilling. Yeah. Yeah. And and as Prince uh, Damon here, I love this shot here. Again, you're just getting shots. You don't want to read too much into it, but we we love doing that. Alton. We really do. There's just something a little swarmy, uh, definitely confident and definitely conniving about what's going on here. Standing uh, perhaps there in the throne room, sword at his uh, his, uh, uh, chest there on the ground. Uh, Just looks like a man who's about to F things up. Yeah, it's just got a look of signature Westerosi disgust on his face. Like <laughs> like he's having someone escorted out and he's watching them get dragged away. Yeah. Something like that. Or yeah, just or just kind of he's saying like, nah, nah, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and uh yeah, we'll we'll do this civil war thing. Yeah, we'll go ahead and do it. I got I got it. Yep. I got it. I got Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and also just the yeah. shout out to the wig department. Yeah. Well. Oh, and, and definitely better uh, from season one of, of Game of Thrones. Uh, more wig m- money uh, here. Yeah, Matt Smith. It, it's it's. Um, I don't know if it's fair to say, but he might be the biggest name in here in terms of the nerd community because of the work of Doctor Who and some of the other stuff he's done or almost have done. Uh, certainly, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know worldwide who 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 might take that mantle for this show, but I think his name showing up is is the most known by a lot of people in the space, and so I'm so curious to see him 
much like Sean Bean in season one, uh, I think he was the most known at that time. Uh, You know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong there if I'm missing out on someone. But, um, yeah, Yeah. I'm curious to see him in this role and how much he uh, is going to be able to fit into this world, which I have no doubt he will. Absolutely. So we're going to move on here to our third character in photo. That is Emma Darcy as Princess Rhaenyra Targaryen, who will be appearing twice in this list. This is the primary adult version looking also stressed, also somber. And potentially, like she's on um, this. This to me again. Not we're reading too much into it, but I see a like a like a wind a wind shawl outfit. Is this Dragonstone? I don't know. I, I've always taken. Yeah, the, we've seen some other versions of this here. Even her with. Uh, I think there's a shot of her, Matt Smith, out there in the beach, right? If, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I might even still have that loaded up here for those watching on YouTube. Uh, it it it, uh, it always struck me as uh, the beaches of Dragonstone. Yeah, absolutely. Nice a nice stroll on a beach of dragons. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So this, again, of course, one of our our Mm. primary characters and somebody who's going to be in the present and past of this show. So very exciting. Uh, And she has a lot of hype around her as an actress. I'm not super familiar, but Mm -hmm. uh, definitely excited about that. As well as our next player here, another actress with a lot of hype is Olivia Cook, who as a Lady Allison Hightower. Yeah. And this is, of course, another key role. Big key um, role, yeah. And a new family. Because the high towers mm-hmm. don't play a role in the the eight seasons that HBO yeah. um, already made of Game of Thrones, so this is going to be for book readers very exciting, but also very fresh for just show people. I'd love to have uh, you know hell we might do it here, Cassidy Talk. You all can steal my idea, but just like a sitcom introduction to meet the high towers. I would love to <laughs> love a little too many cooks, uh, but with the too many high towers, I love that. Yeah, uh, she's great. I love the yeah. We got the blacks, we got the greens. Uh, everyone's going to be learning a lot more about that if we if we don't know already. If you're not a book reader, or you haven't read Fire and Blood, uh, Volume One, which I'm about to start rereading at least the big section that the show's going to be based off, just to kind of refresh myself. Uh, Love doing that. Yeah, this is a great shot. This is a, this is a uh, song of ice and fire shot for me, uh, and I love uh, looking forward to Allison Hightower here. Yeah, could be something very dramatic being said at a dinner. Something horrific could have happened. Um, we also have in the Hightower family another big actor, uh, Sir Otto Hightower, being played by Reese Ifans, mm-hmm. who people will know from the Amazing Spider-Man One, where he played Doctor Kirk Connors, and also has Xenophilius Lovegood, one of the best right. Harry Potter Wizarding World names. Yes, he does. Um, he was uh, Luna's father, the editor in chief of the Quibbler. Um, so he's played some weirdos he's played some unhinged characters and yep. Otto, this right here this is a this is a planner and you could tell he's got the hand yes. of the king pin he's got it in his eyes he does he does and i think i we have another shot from the uh, first uh, stuff a while ago of uh uh, the hand of the king there, the the uh, sigil there, the little uh, pendant. Uh, um, which anytime that's on, that that's uh, that's someone's a lot of pressure, but a lot of planning and a lot of ideas. Uh, I love this. Yeah, and and, and Reef Siphon says, uh, you know, in saying Matt Smith is might, might be the biggest around. Reef is someone. Reef someone I know. I've known for a long time too as an actor. I think everyone knows him. Uh, and, and Harry Potter, you know, it's it's a big franchise. People have seen that. Uh, I just yeah. still think he is such a good actor that uh, he still falls into that character actor category which might not be 100% accurate uh, and I'm, that's I'm excited personally for uh, a performer like him to come into this world and then blow up even more I, I think of uh, of uh, Charles Dance 
uh, mm. someone who's been around for a long time. People, people, knew, knew Charles Dance, uh, big roles all through the eighties. Big, th- and here he he comes in, and and now he'll always be known as Tywin. But I love kind of seeing performers just uh, who've been working so hard for so long hit this level. All these performers are like that. But but uh, Reese Ifans is uh, Otto Hightower. I'm I'm personally excited for that. I don't know him. I you know we I got no skin in the game, but uh, I'm excited. I'm happy for him. Reese, come on the show. Uh, we know you're watching. Uh, of course. Yeah, he seems like he'd be an interesting guy to hang out with. He's yeah. he's Reese Ivins has sort of a kind of like a rock star actor reputation. Yeah, he's got got into some scuffles at mm-hmm. a kind of Comic Con or two. Yeah, uh, so yep. uh, I'm interested to see what role he'll play. Uh, also, as an ambassador to the show, but I'm glad they locked him down. Yeah. Um, here in the notes, I describe this one as the romance photo because it's one of the. Yeah. Two pairs. This is a Steve yep. Toussaint as Lord Corliss Valerian and Eve Best as Princess Uranus Valerian. Yes. Um, and oh, I, I forgot I hadn't loaded that one in. So we're live. I'm live and loading in here on StreamYard. Thanks, StreamYard. There you go. Yeah, great shot. Boom. Love it. There you go. And this is just, I, I again, I haven't seen these performances, mm-hmm. but you could see the talent coming through. And I'm just uh, immediately invested and I want them to be okay. Yeah, you want them? I'm rooting root for these crazy kids. Uh, yeah. No, I'm so for, I'm so far looking to to Corliss in the show here, and uh, this shot, it, it just it, it's this balance that this show has to make, and I've been talking about it a lot, and and, and um, I'm going to keep talking about it. I keep saying it's like it's like that presidential candidate that's running, but kind of has to attach to the party before him or the, his party, but not to the candidate before them, which happens or, you know, uh, anyone mm-hmm. running for office. Um, I still, that's going back to our discussion of, 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 of up top of, of fans who might've been disappointed. Th- this show has to be like, we are of the same world, but, but different if you, if you didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. it, it's a fine we line. We support the platform. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the, yeah. The, the agreed upon platform, not the individual policies. Yeah. And this um, shot, <laughs> I look at this shot and it's like the detail, um, uh, the, the, the costume design, the lighting, everything about it makes me go, oh, hey, if I didn't know, if I was just running through the galaxy with my head in the ground, I'd be like, oh, they're doing, they're doing a Game of Thrones show. And uh, I, I think that's mm-hmm. a good thing. So, but new characters. And, and I need a, I need one of our eagle-eyed viewers to tell me if that chair is the chair that Peter Dinklage dragged around the table <laughs> in his, in his uh, passive-aggressive yeah. small council moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, this, this armor and this shot that you pulled up is fantastic on yeah. Corliss. It's yeah. excellent look. I, I pulled up the shot that uh, one of the shots of, of uh, uh, Corliss and, and company you know, storming into court there from uh, the uh, earlier reveals. Um, so good stuff there. All right, uh, next up. Next up here, we've got the flashback duo photo, which is, we talked off air, the casting of oh. these time periods mm-hmm. is wild because these two young women look yeah. just like their adult counterparts. This is Millie Alcock yeah. as Raina Targaryen and Emily Carey as young Alison Hightower. This is mm. them as young women, teens, I'm not sure if they're teens or early 20s yeah. in this photo, but it opens up an entire conversation, and I'm very excited about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just – um, look at that casting. Look at that casting. It's 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 That's crazy. crazy. <laughs> they look the same. Renera, Renera Targaryen just looks the same. Did they go back in time? Ma- 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 magic. I love it. Looking forward to that. Uh, we'll have a question a little bit later about the, the shot and, and how much the show will be – Going back in time, whether it's uh, episodes completely set back there, flashbacks, we'll be talking about that here at the end of the show. Uh, next up, uh, you got this great shot here. I love this shot. 
Yeah, yeah. This is Fabian Frankel as Sir Kristen Cole, which might be my favorite of the names. Mm-hmm. I love saying it. Oh yeah, Kristen Cole. That is a that is a great song of Ice and Fire name, World of Ice and Fire name. Uh, I love this shot. I had to in in, in formatting it for the sh- I, I, for the for the uh, YouTube view. I wanted to pull out and get as much as that uh, armor as I could. That talk about looking like the world we love and looking like the show, the, mm-hmm. the costume design, production design uh, we're familiar with. This is a one hundred percent nailed it reaction for me absolutely it's extremely lovely this guy uh fabian frankel looking like a young eric bana um mm-hmm. actually kind of looks just like eric bana um yeah. but he's got his ties and we'll talk about that on yeah. future episodes i'm sure he's got his ties to um the dornish um so that's very intriguing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah i'm super excited to know more about him Love um and then our last one mm-hmm. this is probably the other actress uh, of note is a uh, Sonoya Mizuno yeah. as the mysterious Masaria, a mm-hmm. one named character, yeah. not dissimilar to our, our Melisandras and Kinvaras. Yes. Um, although not rocking red, she's yeah. rocking this, this white garb here. Sonoya Mizuno was in devs. She was in ex machina. Um, she was also in crazy rich Asian. So she's, she's been on a steady rise yeah. uh, in Hollywood. So. Love this and love this character. This is a character that uh, becomes kind of a, a queen uh, of, of whispers, so to speak, uh, mistress of whispers, uh, whispers uh, to be more exact, uh, and falls in, uh, of course, with uh, Prince Damon and uh, everything going on there uh, from Lise. Uh, you know, uh, this is, uh, it, it, I don't know, with, with George involved, involved to some degree, again, he, he's uh, been very open that he, I think, kind of wanted to be more involved this time around. Uh, we'll see what that means. I just, they've already changed the look of this character, which I agree with greatly. Hmm. Uh, so we'll see how much they hold to, you know, uh, wiki information, uh, that you can just pull up. Uh, but this is a character that has one of the, you mentioned Melisandre, uh, a favorite of mine, but also, uh, Baelish and, uh, Viserys, uh, yeah. and, and, and Varys, I should say, not Viserys, uh, um, that just has that, you know, working the machinations, working the angles, and potentially uh, a breakout favorite for me, I think. Yeah, I, I, those are the characters that, I mean, that not that the discussion, right? We talked about, yeah. when we talked about Lord of the Rings earlier, when we were, all of us, everybody watching Casterly Talk, when we get people into Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. we all said some version of, it's fantasy, but it's also kind of like Sopranos and like kind of politicky. Right. And, you know, and that, that was always something that I said. I was like, Mom, it's not Lord of the Rings. It's like The Sopranos, <laughs> but just like in that time. Yeah. And these characters, those conversations, chaos is a ladder, um, every yep. small council meeting, like that's the stuff mm-hmm. that HBO was able to bank on. And, you know, nudity and violence. But yeah. it was as nudity and violence either got more selective or, or decreased. It did. it did. This was the stuff that carried on. Yeah, and, and I think House of the Dragon has a different starting point. We are in a different era where Game of Thrones is made into late 2000s, into the 2010s, released 2011. And I think our expectations and what you could get a, not get away with, like, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for, but just like TV watching has changed. The society has gone through great changes uh, in the last yeah. 10 years or so. And so I think House of the Dragon has a different starting point where they cannot, probably can't, who knows? Maybe they maybe they can, but they can't just throw up 
a sex position scene and and not expect it to cause some sort of reaction that might not all not all be positive. Uh, I think they've done a better job. You know, we, you can always always improve, but I think they've done a better job of the diversity of casting. Very clearly making a, a strong strides there. But I, I'm wondering about mm-hmm. that. How much? I know there's going to be violence. We got dragons. Dragons. They're violent. Uh, when pressed, uh, I want to defend the dragons there. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see how much sex will sell in this show. I, I know it's going to be there, but I don't know if they can rely on it early, like Game of Thrones did season one and two. And I don't think they want to. I don't think they want to either, nor should they. I mean, it's amazing mm. how much societal growth gets fit into very small amounts of time now. Yeah. Where 2010 and 11 feel like different eras entirely for so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, man, it's just, it's absolutely wild to see that the way that those things have panned out. Yeah. Um, you talk about representation. It, it, it's, it starts, you know, with the top where now you have Miguel Sapochnik, who's mm-hmm. a man of color stepping in. Um, to a leadership role, even that has, you know, the domino effect of mm-hmm. not, I'm not saying anything about Benioff and Weiss's character, but you, no. you it's your lived experience and yeah. they're white dudes. Um, yeah. And so th- as that starts to expand a little bit more here and there, mm-hmm. we're seeing that with all our franchises. Um, that is, is an important thing to do. And yeah. shockingly, these fantasy worlds represent our own, um, which is a thing. <laughs> and I'm here for it. I'm here for it, Lord of the Rings. And I know, you know, the people in the social media and marketing for these shows are probably dealing with a, 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 a bevy of comments that uh, uh, are not, uh, uh, you know, uh, not coming from a great place. But I, I love what the show's already doing. Even the writer's room is uh, looking a little bit more robust. Uh, so I, I'm excited for that kind of stuff there. I, I think mm-hmm. it's important. And, and I think it all looks so good on screen right now. Cannot wait to get a full trailer that's going to be a lot of fun here uh before we get out of here today alden we get to do what i love doing uh via anchor in fact uh you technically i think made your debut on this show with calls into anchor uh, back in the day that's true that's uh, true so look at you now you and your dog for those watching on youtube this is the best <laughs> shot ever the, the, the reason the pitter patter has stopped if you're listening to the podcast is uh now you have a dog on your lap and it's the greatest thing ever are you done? Yeah. This is, uh, for, for sorry, audio listeners, you don't get to see this little dire wolf face. Yeah. Um, Mr. Attachment Issues over here wanted to be part of the uh, conversation, so that. he's going to sit. Uh, we got some uh, calls here, so I'm going to play uh, them one by one, and then we'll get to uh, our answers here. And if you want to uh, call in with a message, I'll tell you at the end of the show. First one coming in here. Hey, Ken. It's Thomas calling from Texas. I just wanted to get your opinion on what you think would have happened had Natalie Dormer not wanted to leave the show. Marjorie's always one of my favorite characters, and I wonder what would have happened if she had taken Aladdin's advice and went back to Highgarden, or if she had stayed and worked something out or saw Cersei's plan earlier. I just always wondered what you think might have been the opposite ending for her had things played out a little bit differently. There we go. You and I are both fans of Natalie Dormer, both fans of Marjorie Mm. Tyrell. This is a great question. Thomas, thanks for calling in with that one. Uh, This is a big what if. We love the what ifs in Game of Thrones. The what ifs have a big butterfly effects attached to them. So let's start with this, That He's addressing something that's, that's been out there. It wasn't like a giant demand from Natalie Dormer, get me off the show, but she was done. She wanted yeah. to move on. Uh, and and, and as, as the Julian uh, Glover's Picel, they kind of talked him in to come back for more year. And they kind of, I, if I remember I'm paraphrasing in my mind, some of the conversations that she said she had, but like 
I think they said, hey, just stick around. Just give us one more. And they wrote her out in an amazing way. I uh, love the ending as much as I love the character and did not want to see her die. I love everything yeah. about that. But uh, that's something that uh, when you're having these nerd discussion on these podcasts, we don't factor in. The actor wants to go. <laughs> Yeah, they have lives, they have careers and jobs. And, yeah. you know, sometimes you get lucky and you get somebody that falls in love with that role and the their fandom of their part yeah. becomes a motivating factor. Sometimes people are cashing checks and that's okay. Yeah. That is the business that they decided to get into. That's, and that's the case with many roles and many things that we all like. That's yeah. the case with, like, uh, I think about... And it's on different levels too. Sometimes you get a Stephen Delane who's yeah. uh, with with Stannis, who is like, I am a good actor, and that's where it ends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. But yeah. then sometimes you get people that are in the middle, like John Reese Davies as Gimli and yeah. Lord of the Rings. He loved being Gimli, but he wasn't going to go get the group tattoo with the rest <laughs> of the cast members. So it just depends. And I think it's totally fine. That's what she wanted. She crushed it. She never yeah. ever even came close to phoning it in. She's wonderful. Yeah. And yeah. I think her ending's brilliant, but yeah. it's an interesting what if for big, if Marjorie had survived. Big what if. So she survives uh, season six. So let's say she gets out in time. Let's just keep it relatively the same. Cersei does blow up the set, but Marjorie escapes. Maybe this happens. What do you think? Goes back to goes back to High Garden. What is her reaction to Cersei now as the queen? What is her reaction to Daenerys showing up and saying, mm, mm-hmm. "I'm the king"? What is her reaction to Jon Snow coming down? Number one, is she like, "Hey, what's up, Jon Snow"? Or two, is she like, "You're saying what now?" And does she believe Jon Snow? Where do you go, Alden, with all this? That's the interesting thing because initially I started to consider, oh well, that would add Marjorie Tyrell to Daenerys's alliance, right? Of you know, Varys and, and Olena and uh, Ilaria Sand. But do we, do we really know that? Does yeah. Marjorie, does Marjorie have more resistance since she quote wanted to be the queen? The um, queen. Yeah. Does that mean that she would have maybe said, you know what, grandma, I'm going to take the A position on this one. Yeah. And uh, I disagree with you. I don't want to do this. I want to be a neutral party. Does she try again? Like you, like you're mentioning with John, mm-hmm. John, if she is there, yeah. For Daenerys's group party, does she say, "John, why are you looking over there?" Yeah, I'm, I, you got a legitimate. I got a legitimate house right here. Yeah, someone with some sway. I got mm-hmm. lots of grain and plants. Yeah, um, why don't you forge Stark and Tyrell together the way yeah. that you know yeah. maybe had been flirted with? So I'm I'm a Vestal Virgin. I swear, John. I totally swear I'm a Vestal Virgin. Uh, John, just, yeah, marriage has gone wrong. It's it's yeah yeah yeah. It wasn't my fault, John. None of them were my fault. <laughs> I I I love what you're saying because yes, that's my first thought. Is you know uh, much like a grandmother, she'd be like, oh great, we're going against Cersei. We got this powerful force coming over from the east. Let's do it. I think there's a part of Marjorie that would do that in her hatred for Cersei. Cersei would, would lead her that, but she's so calculating. And, and that was part of the tragedy. She, she gets caught, gets caught into prison and, and the high sparrow and everything. And she, she's, she essentially is almost to me. She's like almost worked her way out of it. Almost there. And it is at the end, one of the only ones to realize we got to get the hell out of here. Cause something's going on. So we know she's got the brain power. She's got the skill. She's got the cunning and she does have that drive for power. I, how much would it be Alden? Okay. I'll throw my money in behind uh, this, dragon queen but then i can't imagine her staying in that position once cersei was erased uh, i don't say she's trying to kill da- danny or two but i can't imagine she'd be like great yeah. i'm gonna go back to high garden you run things from here on out danny 
Yeah, I, I don't imagine that being a relationship that maybe not for lack of trying, but I see that being sort of the Sansa Danny dynamic a little bit as yeah. well, but without the mm. yeah, you're my sister, you're my sister, give her a chance, give her a chance. It would probably be a little bit more explosive than that. Yeah. Because Sansa did not have her sights set on the throne in the same way that Marjorie did. Right. So you have two people that really have the queen title in their sights. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be a little bit explosive. Mm-hmm. There's the elements of Tyrion there. What's the relationship going to be like with Tyrion and mm-hmm. and Marjorie as 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 Danny's hand, given everything that happened with her and two Lannister Baratheons up yeah. to that point. Um, it's just a very, very messy situation and messy in the best way. I would have loved oh, to have seen it. Would have been wonderful. Um, yeah, would have been wonderful. And, and, and sorry to cut you off there, but I, I, and I do look to the North. I do look, and she doesn't even have to know that Jon Snow is a Targaryen, right? She doesn't have to know that. I, I, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't key to, to that side of it. I don't think, I think she just would have seen Jon and been like, all right, that's that that is where I'd like to go uh, and and I uh, and I'll partner with him and I'll be the queen. He'll be the king, whatever. I'll be in power. He can go off and brood and, and I'll run it and, and we'll take out that dragon queen. My big question, too, then, and, and you can pick up on that is we know Marjorie does love the small folks. She does have a care and concern for the people. She's great with that. The whole uh, lady die, princess die kind of comparisons. But. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered, it's also she's doing that as a smart play. She knows that she can, if she wins the heart of the people, she might be able to get to the the the, the uh, throne even easier too. So John comes down and goes, all these people are going to die if we don't do this. How much of it is Marjorie going, oh gosh, we definitely have to go there? Or how much of it is going, maybe we should go up there and save the day? And that might help my position too. I don't know. Because this is the I duality of Marjorie. I wonder about that too, because it's it's possible to care about something and still exaggerate your position on it or take advantage of the it's not dissimilar to people that go to impoverished nations but then post about it on Instagram. It's like I <laughs> you a, yes, you did the good thing. She's an influencer. You did. No one could take that away from you. But you also <laughs> felt the need to be seen doing it. Yeah. Which is a little unnerving. Um but I think about those northern lords. Yeah. I think about I think about the way that they reacted when Danny rolled in right, right, and there was so much of a, not of course, because of the, the, you know, the burning of yeah. the Starks yeah. and everything that had gone down. That's, you know, and all going all the way back to Torrin Stark kneeling, yeah. um, which was a talking point with John and Danny, of course it should have been. There's an animosity there. However, if the three of them had rolled in or if John and Marjorie had rolled in on horseback, I think a lot of those Northern Lords would have been like, <laughs> yeah, snow. Well done snow. Like they, yeah. they might've been like, now that yeah. that's a queen. That's somebody that could sit in lady Catelyn's chair. That's somebody that, yeah. you know, we would have been proud to have Rob with or anyone else with mm-hmm. um, John. She, she's better that she's with you than with Renly. Like, it, you know, I could see the North reacting to her in a way where it could help all parties. Yeah, yeah. The North is the North is prickly, so they still might have some issues. I get it, but yeah, especially it's not a, it's not a foreign born. You know, it mm-hmm. isn't that dragon lady. Oh no, no, no. And and I think that could factor in. And and I love I love the duality of Marjorie's character. I love that. I think she is of a good heart, but uh, her high ambitions. Um, you know, she she has them clearly. Yeah, and it's. 
it's it's a power grab, but it's a lesson of of uh, when you grab too far, uh, what happens and and uh, fascinating. That's a great question, Thomas. I love that. And, and yeah, if, if any uh, Natalie Dormer uh, in Game of Thrones is a good thing. So if she, we got one more season or something, if if she maybe maybe it's one more, Alden. Maybe she comes back for one more. What ending in season seven? Where does she go? Does she is she, is she uh, taken out? By uh, Euron Greyjoy, a, a dragon, a, 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 a White Walker. How would you want her to go out if she has to go out in season seven? Is she I on? Think- is she on Snow Team Six going north? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, there's so many situations that we already had that you could put her in. Yeah. Um, and my initial gut instinct was, well, I'm assuming she wouldn't leave her grandmother's side, and maybe she would. Yeah. She would die when Jamie and Bronn took Highgarden. Yep. But at the same time. I also wonder if she would have faced the Varys fate because if she whispered something that Danny didn't like and that Danny perceived as traitorous, yeah, maybe she's standing right there during uh, Drogon's big meal. Okay, I actually think that might be more. You're right. I, you know, does she? She probably she might if she's in High Garden, she grabs a sword and stands between her grandma and Jamie, and I don't know if that goes well for Marjorie. Uh, yeah. I don't know what Jamie does. That's, you know, that, that's, uh, that's just, that's a, that's a wild what if. But yeah, I, I do see her, uh, if, if she's there with Daddy's party, the moment, if, if Varys comes to her and goes, you know, uh, John might be a blank. And she's like, wait, now what now? Um, I want in. And, and then that, that could, I could see it, uh, uh, Drogon taking care of uh, Marjorie there. Especially because we had that that John and Tyrion, uh, that John and Tyrion, that Varys and Tyrion conversation on the ship, yeah. where they're talking about, ah, oh, but do we marry them? No, she would dominate him. Yeah, this, yeah. that. If Marjorie's on the table, yeah, Varys could be like, you know, there is another attractive <laughs> young woman in our camp. That, <laughs> like, like, and Tyrion could be like, oh, yeah. it's not bad. A golden rose <laughs> does cast a big shadow. Uh, yeah. Love to see that. Uh, great stuff. Great question, Thomas. Love that there. All right, next call coming on in here. We got one of our favorites. He's uh, been a mainstay here for such a long time. Love having around. Eric Monroe calling in now. Hey, Ken Cashley Talks. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the books and George and excitement and all that. So I will admit there was a time I was a little grumpy with George because, you know, I want to see what happens with the books. You know, there are characters that exist only in the books that weren't on the show, characters that are still alive like Stannis in the books that died on the show. And I think George Doe deep down knows that it's important to us. So I am a believer that the book is going to come out. At some point, I know some people disagree with me, but I believe in George. I believe the books are going to come out. And also, I have to, we all, ha- all have to appreciate George R. R. Martin because without him, we wouldn't have any of this. We wouldn't have Game of Thrones. We wouldn't have the world of Song of Ice and Fire. We wouldn't have House of the Dragon coming out. We wouldn't have the greatness that is Stannis Baratheon as a character to cheer for <laughs> and root for and learn from. So in the end, I am a big George fan. Absolutely. I'm with you, Eric. A big George fan and a big Stannis fan, as everyone here knows. I was talking about this a little bit uh, last week, Alden, so love to get your thoughts here. Where, yeah, I too, over the years, have found myself, I don't know how to explain it with George, a little grumpy, a little like, uh, George, you're, you're a little bitter, you're playing some games with the show, uh, get in there and write. But also, I'm so just appreciative of this world that I just fell in love with in 2011 and, and keep uh, diving into even more and more. So your thoughts on this and just, you know, when are we getting a wins of winner? Give me the, give me the prediction. I'm new, I know you have the answer. My wins of winner prediction that I predict, that I genuinely predict, mm-hmm. is that 
and I have no evidence for this. I think that Winds of Winter and Dream of Spring are one book. Okay. I I I really I don't think that was always the plan. I believe wholeheartedly that Dream of Spring was going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. I know that some people that have paid way more attention to his blog and interviews over the years have pointed out that he has said that Dream of Spring was always going to be tiny, that mm-hmm. it was always going to be the shortest book. It was always going to be sort of an epilogue. Right. Um, and But I think that at this point, Winds of Winter might be a, a tome and that it will have a Dream of Spring as, <laughs> yeah. as the epilogue or as the last chapter or something like that. That's what I really believe. Okay. What I want is for Winds of Winter to be released in airports without any <laughs> any press whatsoever. Somebody is somebody gets a coffee and then goes to the paperbacks and what sees is that, Winds the, of Winter. The Hudson Viral News, marketing. yeah, the Hudson <laughs> News. There, we're just like, I, let, me, let me get a let me get a, a better homes and garden for their a flight uh, there. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's what I want. I want it to be a viral release that is all word of mouth. <laughs> um, but really, when it comes to George, like I have yeah. accepted in my life and I've embraced positively that some of the older folk, particularly older men that I've either looked up to or been influenced by, have idiosyncrasies, we could say, mm-hmm. or, or quirks about them that are just funny. You look at someone like Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. Stan Lee, may he rest in peace, who we all loved and adored, also took credit for way too many things mm-hmm. and inserted mm-hmm. himself in way too many things mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. screwed over people. <laughs> and like, so I would always make jokes while he was still alive. Like, I'm Stan and I created you. I created your mom and dad. Like, yeah. you know, and and then you look at someone like George Lucas, another older yeah. George. It's like George has his things. He has his interviews that don't line up at all. He yeah. has his his views, he has his, um, you know, the, the, the theories that he has yep. Disney agreed and never released the original cuts. Like yeah. all of these people, especially in that, that generation have, um, or in Stan's case, the generation above them have that stuff that they won't budge on. And for George mm-hmm. R. R. Martin, it is his slowness and his easily distracted nature and i think that he he likes being a rock star author yeah because outside of him she who must not be named and stephen king there haven't been any yeah um since the days of Mm -hmm. i don't know oscar wilde like scott fitzgerald yeah so i think that he enjoys his celebrity i think he's entitled to that and i i I finally have come to accept it i think during the show i was more like come on dude don't let them outpace you come on man yeah yeah don't let them outpace you. Don't let them finish and control your narrative. But now I'm also like, oh, well, I'm excited to see the alternate version. Yeah, I, I really, I mean, I'm with you too. And I, I, a lot of my, when I described as grumpy, it's, it's all out of love because I just wanted to finish finish the damn books and finish the story and, and uh, all those good things. But I'm so excited for the other things he's involved with in this uh, franchise and this universe and world. But yeah, I, I, it was a little bit of like, I thought he was playing little games uh, with, with uh, the way he was distancing himself from the show. And that helped some of the uh, discourse go negative fast. And, um, mm-hmm. but I, he's entitled to that. And, and he's so fat, he is fascinating. He is a rock star author. And he says sometimes that's, Hey, that's affected my life, but it's also affected positively. So I think he's been honest with it too. And I, I'm with you on that. Uh, but at the end of the day, Eric touched upon something that I, I just, um, I, I, I've talked about and think about, but I, I really love that Eric kind of highlighted it. Is like it is an alternate uh, of universe, like you you just right. said. It is another story. It's the same kind of world, but it is there's a lot of characters that from 
season one of Game of Thrones, we knew we weren't getting. You could tell the show needed to do what it needed to do. And so all these characters with outcomes still yet to be determined or uh, people who are alive, the Stannises and, and the Barristan Selmys, who we either haven't gotten to that part in the show where we're still behind on a lot of Santa stuff and then Barristan Selmy, they go in a different direction. I, 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 to think of it in those terms, that more than anything is why I'm really looking forward. And whether it's your theory of two books squeezed into one giant book that I'm going to need a back brace to lift or a surprise release at Hudson News. I'm good for all of that because I want to see those stories. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, with the two books being one, like I just can't imagine that after being hounded about Winds of Winter for all this time that he wants to then be hounded by Dream of Spring the next week. <laughs> once people finish that, once people finish Winds of Winter, it will start. So I just, that's why I mostly think that. But I also think that, yeah, I'm, I've come to terms yeah. with and yeah. really, if that happens, everybody, give him time. Give, like, give him let, a month. Give him a month. Give, 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 let him enjoy the press tour for the book. Um, but I, I really, I think that, and I've said this before, I think on this show, on, on, yeah. on my Star Wars podcast, like being a, growing up a comics kid trained me a lot mm-hmm. to where, you know, I've joked about this, like sometimes a, a great writer will be like, I'm starting Batman. This is my big shot. Like I'm on the book now. And then whoever's writing justice league, like kills Batman yeah, or like yeah. leaves him on a different planet. And you just have to accept that sometimes things get messy. So yeah. I long ago accepted that the show was going to be its yeah. take yeah. on his work. It is not going to be the one-to-one of his work. Now, if somebody one day was like, Hey, we got the license to, you know, the Martin estate, you know, they're yeah. 30 years from now. We're going to do the animated version. That'll have every detail. Yeah. Rock on, Rock do on. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. as for this, you know, it was Benioff and Weiss working with an incomplete story and that will always be the truth. And that's, yep. that's what happened. And that, that was the agreement by all parties and they had notes who knows what was right. in those infamous notes. Yep. We can safely assume that King Bran was one of them. Cause that's kind I of been so. said. Yeah, but outside of that, we don't know. We don't so, know. We don't know. And uh, yeah, we might. We might never know. And you, you just scared me realizing. All right, thirty years from now, if they do an animated retelling, okay, I'll be doing the podcast pushing eighty. All right, that's fine. I'm game. All right, I'm game. I'm going yeah. to start doing more push-ups. I'll be around. Yeah, man, you got this. <laughs> I got, you got this. this. Come out of retirement. Uh, I wish I had a retirement. All right, final question. <laughs> final question is uh, our friend Donald Long, Ranger Donald, calling in here. Hey, Ken and Cashier Talk. Just wanted to call in and talk about the pictures that we got today with the announcement of the release date. Especially the young and grown-up versions of Rhaenyra Targaryen, who look great in my opinion. And in my eyes, I think they're going to be the real standouts of this series. And then I'm really real interested to see how they play with the time frames of this episode of this series. Because you know, in the original series, we just got flashbacks here and there. Very few of them, especially later on in the series. So I'm wondering if they're going to have one episode in the past, one in the present, or flash back and forth with this. Mm. And especially with King Viserys' picture we got today, if you zoom in, he has the cat's ball dagger. We know that's going to play another very important role in this series because we've seen in the last trailer, Alice and Hightower try to stab somebody with it. And the last few, the three dragon eggs. We have a red one, a black one, and a green one. All different. All different have different cracks. What, what dragons are the yes, random pictures of dragon eggs? Thanks. Great stuff there. And Donald reached out to me in my Discord, which you can access through my Patreon page, and said, I, I realized there's actually five dragon eggs that came out if I if I uh, read his message correct. So uh, I lost mm. track. of I, there, For me, there was one. I, I didn't count up to five or three. Yeah. Often, so I don't know if you did. <laughs> um, 
Great stuff from Donald. Yeah, and he kind of agrees with us. Uh, the casting is great of, of the young uh, mm. and old characters. But this was a great question. This is that term flashback, or is it an episode set back in time? Uh, you and I uh, covered and love Book of Boba Fett. Uh, I did on Force Center. You did on your Star Wars podcast, Octo uh, Radio. I I know a lot of people's strong opinions about the use of the uh, preview, whatever, the, t- the different timelines, we'll call, call it in Book of Boba mm-hmm. Fett. And one of the things is that people say, ah, the flashbacks, the flashbacks. I don't think it's correct to, to view them as flashbacks. I thought it was two stories set in different times for a while on that show. Yeah. Uh, which, again, you might not like that. I'm not asking you to like that. I'm just saying I don't think it's similar to using, uh, you know, using the Blood Raven uh, to, to uh, you know, um, uh, Three-Eyed Crow there to, to take Bran back and serve as a flashback. Uh, I think it's a little different. So great question, great thoughts uh, uh, from, from Donald there. But what's your thoughts on uh, how they're going to use this young and old timeline uh, bits here? I love what you said just then about what is a flashback and what isn't. Because I think that as we start to expand TV and as TV has gotten more and more premium um, to the point where you could argue that we're in the age of it and that it mm-hmm. might be America's medium right now. And that's a much bigger conversation. But as we've started to expand things, Book of Boba Fett's a great example because it did two things that were sort of not new formatting, but mm-hmm. experimental formatting, especially for Star Wars. They were doing things like okay, let's do the dueling narratives across timelines. Let's do changing perspective episodes where Din and Luke will have theirs. Um, It was an interesting sort of way to tell the story. And And flashback inherently to me implies a character looks back on the event and then we come back to the present. Yeah, That's why it's called a flashback. It's not called a long back. It's not called an extended back. Uh, It's a flashback. It's supposed to be, yeah. Wait a second. Ken dropped the item over here. Like mm-hmm. I, I solved the mystery. That's flashback. I think that visions mm-hmm. are also their own thing because that's a narrative device happening in the present. Yeah. Where you see the past. That's yeah. Brand seeing the Tower of Joy. That's Harry looking in the pensive to see Snape's memories. That's mm-hmm. um, a lot of the times in um, Star Wars, Ray and Cal Kestis with psychometry and how yeah. they touch things like. That's also different. And then there's also the third thing, which is the dueling narrative, which is, are we watching, are the characters thinking about the past or is the viewer getting to see the past? Yeah. And those are different things. If, if we get to see these two young women to benefit us, the viewer, Mm -hmm. that's different than if Allison stops and says that time where we did this, (laughs) that's a flashback. So there's, it's, we're living in a weird time of verbiage and like some people will call that semantics. I just call it the different approaches, yeah. um, and they'll land differently for different people. No, I, I get, I get to, if anyone wants to throw semantics back at you or I, I get it. And even in Book of Boba Fett, yeah, Boba Fett would take his little back-to-baths, and, and he would essentially uh, have these dreams that we got to see. But I, I like the dueling narrative uh, uh, to- topic there, or, or phrase, I should say, uh, on this topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and in terms of the show, I think it makes some sense because, uh, you know, to what degree magic is involved in this show? Uh, we got dragons. We know magic is is uh, present to some degree. Has to be there. That uh, was part of the thing with Danny bringing back the dragons. You know, uh, the House of the Undying is uh, the return of magic. I, l- I love that stuff. So we got it. We know we got some magic going around. To what degree? I don't know. I've to be honest. I haven't thought much about that, Alden. Um, yeah. So could could magic have anything to do with going back, or is it just 
dueling narratives. Uh, uh, maybe a f- episode two is let's let's get you all set up on what what happened here. Uh, and, and I'm interested. Do you have any preference? Uh, I think that just a complete episode I, or going back and forth. I really like the dueling narrative stuff of building to a point, um, narratively building to a revelation, building to a theme, and giving the viewer. Yeah. Giving the viewer exactly what they need to get to that conclusion. I think that Book of Boba Fett, Chapter Two, The Tribes of Tatooine, is is a master class in getting the character what he needs um, in mm-hmm. the present and showing us what we need at the time. I think that Damon Lindelof's work on HBO's Watchmen is also a master class in that in terms of yeah. how we're able to bounce back and forth. I don't need the character to stop and think. I don't yeah. need somebody to say what happened that day and then mm-hmm. it flashes back and then we cut back. I don't need that. Um, I want it to happen mm-hmm. for the, to create the story because it's a visual medium. And I think that the more that we push and bend TV, mm-hmm. um, the more we'll accept it. You know, I, again, Star Wars always comes up with us because we're both, you know, yeah. that's such a core element of our lives. But when people were saying it's Book of Boba Fett, you can't do it in an episode. You can't do half an episode with Luke. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you can't until they did. Right, right. And they and, and they did. And yep. you can't is just a thing that you say until someone tries it and it succeeds. Because yep. now in Mandalorian season three, or if in House of the Dragon, they cut over and it's an episode that's all in Winterfell yeah. with whoever is the Stark Lord at the time. Someone out there knows who the Stark Lord would be at the time. I don't. Um, mm. Then it's like, you can't do that. Well, they did. Um, and we're bending TV and we're changing the way that we tell stories and yeah. we're so I'm I'm all for that entirely. I, I, I'm with you on what you're saying here. Uh, why not is something we talk over in Force Center a lot, which is big in Star Wars creating. Well, why not? Mm-hmm. Why not do this? And I, I agree with you. Are there rules that can't be broken? I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think you should have any rules. There's technical rules of how to get your shots lined up and all those kind of yeah. things and angles uh, and 180 degrees, all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to writing, mm-hmm. I think you're right. We are in an era. The old and I always do the Wayne's World thing of do 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 do. The old, uh, I remember yeah. Allison when she was a girl. That's outdated. And we are in mm-hmm. this, uh, been a decade now going back to Game of Thrones, even prior to that with Lost and, and Sopranos. But we are in this decade plus now of big time premium television changing the name of the game. Back in the day, back when I grew up, there was no, no screen actor was going to go on TV. That was a sign your career was done. We don't have that stuff anymore in the behind the scenes kind of stuff. Uh, and I don't mm-hmm. think we need it necessarily in the writing or the presentation of the show. I am open to going back and forth. I'm going open to one entire episode set that back there. It just seems like might yeah. be not the way they're going to do it. Um, and even, but even if it is, uh, what was Renera thinking when she was in junior high? Uh, not that there's junior high or high school in game of Thrones or Westeros. Um, I'm open to it, but I think you're right. I think it's going to be uh, inventive because it kind of has to be at this level. Yeah. Yeah. And shout out to, I wish I knew who directed that episode of Top by Head where we see young Cersei. Um, that see, oh, episode, the beginning of season five? Yeah. Yeah. That season five premiere yeah. starts and doesn't tell you you're in flashback. Right. You have that moment of, oh my God, that's Cersei. And I think that when you can have the viewer... Mm-hmm. not know where they are for a moment and then tell them that, oh my God, that's blank. Right. That moment is powerful. And that can also help you with your, mm-hmm. um, with your expand expansion of the themes of the story. I think there's something to be said for disorienting the viewer on purpose 
I don't want to spoil anything for Moon Knight, but that's a huge part of Moon Knight Mm. is you see some scenes and then you're like, wait a second, was that was that days ago or was that now? And Mm. to do that with across years and in this story, I mean, you you want this world to expand. You want this world to be different. I've said this about Star Wars fans. I've said this about a lot of people and I'll say it for Rings of Power when that gets covered. If you want these things to grow and change when they grow and change, don't be surprised. Yeah. Um, and they're going to have to throw things at you in different ways. And, and it's when people break those rules that we get really excited. I mean, that was the yep. whole thing with Clone Wars, which was 2008 starting on Cartoon Network before the big TV boom. Yeah. You know, when, when Kevin Spacey went to House of Cards, that was kind of the big like, whoa, is TV yeah. serious now? And it had big yeah. building with Breaking Bad and Sopranos. But mm-hmm. going back, all the way back to Clone Wars, George, with his cartoon show with his apprentice with the cowboy hat. Yeah. He was like, what if we made this like cinema? Yeah. And what if I told you no storyboarding? And what if I told you you're going to block this? Like I block actors. Yeah. And now we're all the way ahead in this time. And it's just, it's exciting. I would love it if, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying they will. And I I know it'll piss a lot of people off, but I'm all for the, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was like, what if we did a show, an episode with no talking? Right. What if we did an episode that had songs? What if we did an episode that was in black and white? Like, do, do anything you want. The House of the Dragon musical coming. And we do want to shout out, you mentioned it, yeah, The Wars to Come is season five, episode one, written by Benny and Weiss. Eh, they don't know stories, right? Uh, and Michael Slovis uh, was the director. And he made his, that was his debut for the series. And I love that. And, and uh, yeah, I was also, you know, Jody May, I'm the last of the Mohicans fan. Jody May is Maggie the Frog. I was, I was excited about that. And uh, interesting moment. And, and also... We'll get to that when I get to the rewatch of that was the episode that I realized, wait a minute, I was familiar with the prophecy. They cut half of it out. What does that mean for the show? And I stopped holding on to book stuff as tightly as I had been before. Just say, yeah, I mean, let I me was see where they person, go with this. Yeah, I was that person that was like, but the Valencar. And then I also was like in the back of my mind, like, hey, they didn't actually do the Valencar. So you can't hold that again. I mean, yeah. Again, that's like that's like canon and legends you know that's Mm -hmm. like you sort of have to have that mentality even if it's painful like they what they established in their world is what they established in their world i mean and also this was the show that from the very beginning was like hey the other and all the rules for the villains we're not doing that we have a very different force we have very different magic rules we have very different sometimes even the geography is is off and so it's like just yeah yeah for better or worse, uh, for better or worse, case-by-case case basis sometimes. But overall, I think we see uh, for uh, better. Uh, but that's just you and I and your dog here today. So uh, that is uh, our discussion today. Alden, it's always great to have you in here. Uh, tell them where they can find you. And if you like uh, listening to Alden talk or if you hate listening to Alden talk, he's got a podcast for you covering Star Wars. That's true. And if you hate if you hate it. I don't want you to review it. If you love it, I would love for you to review it. Uh, that's uh, Octa Radio, a Star Wars podcast. That's everywhere you get your podcast. That's one-on-one interviews of me and people in the Star Wars space. Ken has been on a few times. He's going to be on again soon. Yeah. We have people from Lucasfilm, people from the fandom, authors, people that are contributing to the Star Wars galaxy in different ways. And then we have our two sister shows, Mandatory and Creed, hosted by Tori Fox. That's where all our Boba coverage is. And then uh, Rewatch Between Worlds, where we're going back through Rebels. 
Um, and then I'm appearing all around the internet. I do radio, broadcasting stuff, things like that. You can follow me on Twitter at that Alden Diaz and Instagram as well. T-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z. Do it there. We'll have Alden back real soon here on this show. Uh, thanks for everyone who's uh, been waiting for Castly Talk to return. We are back. You can subscribe to our YouTube channels. We try to grow that out, but I always love podcasting. always love talking in the microphones where the cameras are rolling or not. So thanks for listening uh, to the podcast side. You can find it on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I said earlier, uh, you want to know where you can call in, like Thomas, Eric, and Donald today? You can do so via Anchor. You can go to Castly Talk on the desktop, but the best might be just on the phone. If you favorite the podcast on the on the phone app for Anchor, uh, on the phone, like it's, you know, you get your rotary phone on your smartphone. Uh, you can then call in pretty easily. You have uh, one minute to leave a nice message, and I can download it, put it on the show, and I love hearing your voice. It is what makes the show so fun to do, going from uh, the Daily Thrones days to now. Uh, you can follow me at Ken Napsack. Go to my website, KenNapsack.com. If you love music, I have a show called Pop Rock and Radio on Mixcloud. Live music show, uh, a radio show from the days of old. If you like rock and rock pop music, check that out. We'll be back uh, soon and next time here on Casterly Talk. <laughs>